0: Welcome to the Shallow Rewards audio commentary for Radiohead's Meeting People is Easy, a film by Grant G. Uh, Grant had filmed the video for Radiohead's No Surprises, which was pretty clearly a you know mega concept video that was going to get a lot of attention. It's just Tom York holding his breath for as long as he can and mouthing the sped up lyrics to no surprises as they scroll in front of him. Um, it got a ton of attention and, and it was a time where there was kind of a major renaissance in, in concept videos and pushing the boundary of the short film music video. Uh, and Granchi was doing a very good job with that he hooked up with the band and he went on the road and he started filming um this documentary this kind of like you know radiohead's help um of life on the road as this critically acclaimed band that was just coming into a a period of total critical deference where everyone was on board and just couldn't wait to trumpet the genius of radiohead and the brilliance of okay computer in the face of you know, the kind of withering tail end of Brit pop and the bloated, uh, second, um, Oasis record, excuse me, third Oasis record be here now. Um, that it was just, it had really turned a lot of people off and it sort of seemed like the entire thing had gotten really hoary and bloated and the whole dream of Tony Blair was even starting to kind of, you know, take a notch down and everyone was taking a step back. So, you know, record labels at this time were really, um, they were looking at DVD as a massive opportunity because it was a new medium and it was really getting a good amount of traction from consumers. And it had even, a pretty much an even better price point for them uh, than CDs did. They were selling DVDs for $20 or more and uh and people were buying them and so all these you know legastic massive artists like radiohead and the cure and depeche mode and all these bands that had done historically a lot of video content and and music videos they were rushing to release compilations of this material to cash in on it and uh meeting people is easy it sort of it sort of predates the the real massive cash in phase, which you could say was typified in in the kind of like Chris Cunningham uh, stuff, Bjork's videos, and and Michel Gondry. Like there was just way too much um, kind of auteur reverence going on at that time for these short conceptual videos, um, which a lot of times were just down to being filmed with good cameras and then slowed down, you know? I mean, they're they're really... I question a lot of the hagiography was going on, like, present tense while this stuff was being filmed, so... Anyway, this is going to be an audio commentary of me watching Grant G's Meeting People is Easy. I should also also note that uh, Grant after this film, um, he did a number of very significant things. He, uh, he filmed a documentary about, um, Sebald's uh, rings of Saturn, which was a journey around Suffolk. It's a very beautiful documentary. You should track that down. Um, more notably, he did, uh, the documentary, uh, on joy division, you know, a film by Grant G, uh, that came out after control, which featured primary interviews with everybody in Joy Division, Tony Wilson before his death, and you know a variety of people. It's a it's a very somber, hallucinatory, documentary of, of Manchester, of, of you know the late '70s and the the horrible economic conditions that Joy Division came out of, uh, and then he also. Um, was sort of the driving force. He was he was I think he was the director of photography or the cinematographer on uh, 30th century man, which was sort of his passion project about Scott Walker. Um, So those are all great films that you should definitely check out. And I'm going to click play right now. And I'm going to give you some kind of an audio indication as to when you should sync this up. Okay. So I've got trademark Parlophone on the screen. So I don't know if you're going to end up watching this on YouTube, but now I'm looking at the satellite shot that begins this film. So a lot of this movie, (laughs) a lot of this, there's a lot of stock footage in this movie. Um, And just like weird B unit stuff. And like, now there's a train pulling out of a station and uh, that computerized track (laughs) Uh, fitter happier what i can't remember if that's the name of the track i haven't listened to okay computer and i don't know how long um is playing and it's this like stammering um weird black and white kind of security camera tone to it with piano filtered in over it um it really it's funny watching it now the production quality is in a lot of places really poor but one of the things i remember about this when it came out is that there was a warning on it that it contained the use of stroboscopic effects that were likely to cause people to have uh, epileptic seizures, which is pretty dramatic. Okay, so now it's really starting to get trippy, right? This, um, in one sense, this movie is really grotesque, because it's a band accepting the idea that they're historic like while they're still on tour and have only released 3 albums. <laughs> I mean, Okay computer was a fantastic record. I still love this record, but it's sort of absurd how seriously Radiohead took not necessarily themselves, but the situation that they were in. Um and you know, the, the, Tom York is has apparently been quoted as saying he was having a nervous breakdown or something during this tour. Um you know, you're in a band and you write four four pop music. I don't know how serious that can be. And I think, you know, I wouldn't take it as far as like Oasis have and the jokes they've made about, you know, he's singing the news and and all that. Uh they're funny one liners. I think Radiohead was a a substantial band and and really changed the direction of of uh, pop and rock away from the kind of histrionics of of U two and they kind of got us back in touch with a more like kind of mid-level mid-tempo um you know emotional rock and roll without it being completely over the top so now we're seeing radiohead in a hotel room and you know it's a lot of like cut quick cut things and they're being you know they're being assaulted by the press is sort of the the setup here and the lads are under the microscope and all that. Um, that, that's sort of the theme of the theme of this film is that they're, you know, so overwhelmed by how famous they become, but it's sort of odd because they were already pretty well famous. I mean, you know, creep was a massive hit. They oh, a swear came in. I heard, I heard the F word. They, they toured the world and, you know, multiple times. And even though it wasn't a massive success in America, the Benz was a big record. Um, so you know it's this weird thing where radiohead are trying to pretend that they're outside this or that this is new to them and and that they're somehow being subjected to this new level of fame that's so alien to them and i just don't buy that um You know, yeah, that's what being in a band was, and before you had the digital stuff, and every word out of your mouth was a pitchfork headline. Yeah, you had to sit down for four hours a day, and you had to do promos, and you had to do hi. You're listening to W blah 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 FM. Um, That was the nature of the whole the the beast. But but I mean, to spend all your time whining about that, and and you know, pretending that your life is so hard and it's just so alienating and difficult. um, I, I don't know. It, it, looking back on it it's very difficult to feel any sort of sympathy for what these people were going through it's not just radiohead there've been a number of bands who've complained about this if you read juliana hadfield's uh, autobi- autobiography um when i grow up or her memoir or whatever you want to call it i don't know if it was ghostwritten it's the same sort of thing it's like what are you complaining about people are interested in me oh no you know god that's that's horrible how will i sleep at night um but you know the the thing that really here is gross is you see tom and everybody else in the band reading just reams of of you know gushing reviews and they're like oh my god what are we going to do you know it's so overwhelming how universally you know adored we are and how every review is so positive and uh, i don't know oh there's uh there's our our pal mob top oh god greenwood with his uh wrist brace um which i don't doubt you know if you went on tour and and hit it as hard as he did every night even if you're just playing bar chords you're gonna get you know all kinds of problems with your joints and carpal tunnel and and just massive weakening of the the wrists and that i mean that happened to friends of mine who play guitar it's pretty common so i'm not going to call him a morrissey on that i'm not going to say he's faking Okay, so they've done their weird Madonna vocal warm-up thing, and now they're going up the stairs to play their show. You know, the, the one thing that's also funny about it is when you usually when you see a band that's that's um, the subject of a massive documentary, there's some element of them having you know been fashionable. Um, so when you watch like you know NXS or or U2 or you know Depeche Mode or whatever, their clothes usually look really funny. Well, they're going out there in black t-shirts and jeans, so it's sort of difficult to feel like this is any different than seeing Radiohead in 2012 or whatever on the, you know, in rainbows tour. They're so, they're just so fucking boring to look at, you know? So, uh, it's sort of strange because you know, if you don't, if you didn't live through this, if you didn't live through the period where everyone looked at Radiohead, like, You know, they were the second coming of intellectual, emotionally resonant music. And you're just looking back at this video of a band playing these mopey songs. You're like, God, you know, but, you know, if you go watch Oasis at Nebworth, you're like, yeah, duh. There's a reason this is a movie because it's the biggest concert ever played in the history of the United Kingdom. It's the biggest open air concert ever. And so that makes sense. You know, it's a quantifiable event. Very little about meeting people is easy as quantifiable. It's just sort of, you've got to already have bought into the idea that Radiohead are, ma- are worth making a movie about. And I just, because <laughs> it just doesn't make a case for itself. Like, yeah, they were huge at this moment. And they were getting a lot of positive, overwhelmingly positive response. But like, at various points, so were, you know, Tool and, you know, I don't know, Marilyn Manson. I mean, there, there's literally every two years or so, you can just name the big band. That's the critically adored band that's going on the big world tour. Ah, Tom's voice cracking so dramatically there. Um, it's just, it's very difficult for this band or this band's music or this band's attitude or, or what they accomplished to justify this you're basically taking the fact that the the press are paying attention to you and using that as a justification to suggest that you're um, in a unique situation. And you're not because the press were obsessed with Culture Club. The press were obsessed with Duran Duran. The press were obsessed with The Cure. The press have been obsessed with a shitload of bands. But Radiohead's the only band who has taken critical adoration and used it as a justification to produce a one hour and 25 minute film about concert tour and about the you know incredibly difficult position of having people pay attention to you and i mean oh god you listen to them talking here they're scrolling text from interviews and it's just that these are the most ponderous White and shiny. I keep a diary of my black thoughts. I mean... Good God. And, and, you know, of course, the the suggestion is that that York knows that this is pompous and and that having to say these things is pompous and he's embarrassed to have said them. I don't know about that, you know. I think he was old enough to have some measure of self-control over what came out of his mouth. Um... There's so many bullshit Christ-posed shots of him on stage. I just... uh. You know, the lack of perspective is really the problem. You know, because this could be Def Leppard. This could be Bon Jovi. But for the music that's coming out of the speakers, fame is fame. Ah, here we go. So now they're going to show Glastonbury. And this is where you're talking like, yeah, there you go. Now, this is a major show, but this is, a, this is like the biggest festival um, that occurs in England, the writing festival in Glastonbury. So, you know, that crowd's not just there to see Radiohead. They're there to be a crowd and have an incredible time. And what happens? They play Creep. And now they show him in Philadelphia playing Creep. And he's being a complete Fucking cunt. Look at this asshole. He can't even, he can't allow himself to enjoy the fact that he wrote something that thousands of people can scream along to. He's like smirking at them, like, I've moved on past that. You guys haven't. You know, this is the point where I just want to, like, tattoo... I don't know if it was Noel or Liam who said, people are just going to want to hear you sing Creep for the rest of your life. Deal with it. It's an exaggeration. It's not true. You know, I want to hear him sing Let Down. I want to hear him sing, I don't know, fucking Pyramid Song, whatever. He's written a shitload of incredibly good songs. The whole band has, you know, and I I have nothing but respect for their music. But the way they've conducted themselves, particularly early on here... You know, he had the bleach blonde hair, and then they did the bends, and he's in the fucking shopping cart, and and it's just like, you want to pretend that you're some ethereal, exceptional artist, and that you exist outside the strata of, like, you know, corny, country house, blur, oasis, menswear, you know, the effrontery of, of pulps, you know, acerbic, you know, cynicism you're just trying to be perfect. And this movie sort of examines that. I think, I think it examines that they were never going to come away from this in a way they were going to be comfortable with. They were only ever going to get moments. And that's the lesson that every rock band that, you know becomes huge learns you just you get moments and eventually you come to recognize that and you get comfortable with that and you enjoy yourself more but radiohead were really they were holding on too tight and it got really ridiculous at various points in their career whether it's being a control freak or taking yourself too seriously or or being insecure who knows now we've got the classic shot of all the fans waiting around the uh, tour bus trying to sign tom's autograph he's wearing a backpack that's bigger than him tour bus looks like it's from i don't know 73 74. Yeah, so here he's getting his briefing from the uh either the tour manager or the label rep or you can do the Rolling Stone online interview, you have an hour break. And then uh that's it until so they're going to play I think they're going to play SNL and then they're gonna play Irving Plaza or something. This is right before So again, this is them taking the ask nine questions of journalists seriously. So they're in the tunnel and they're playing audio of a journalist being like, are you guys really the saviors of rock and roll, man? I mean, (laughs) just because some idiot journalist says it doesn't mean that you're actually being held to account for it, even if they all say it. that's my favorite moment in the film when uh york says you know we're from england so we automatically assume any level of success that you've had you you know we automatically assume that you've either you've cheated or you're full of shit yeah and then he's like indicting american celebrities being on a higher level it's really fucking mad it's insane yeah dude okay you're worth like you know three fucking countries let it go pay whatever you want, right? Yeah. That worked out okay. So he's getting interviewed about celebrities, etc. I had a great conversation with Calvin Klein about underwear. Yeah. So a year ago, the guest list for this show that they're filming him in the bus on the way to at Irving Plaza leaked. And the guest list for this show is like, uh, let's see. Blur, Oasis, Kate Moss, U2, Jill Sobuel, um REM, Brad Pitt. Um, let's see. Who else? Beastie Boys. Yep, they're on there. Eddie Vedder, plus one. Um, yeah. So Dave Matthews. Oh, yeah. Dave Matthews and Marilyn Manson, Madonna, Courtney Love, and Lenny Kravitz. All on the guest list for the show they're about to play here. Um, so there's something about tom's whole you know reticence at celebrity and how celebrity is perceived and exploited and enjoyed in america that's kind of fucking bullshit <laughs> oh now he's so exhausted he used to put his head in his hands too many people are taking my picture i can't take it so yeah here's i think this is the plaza yeah very bob dylan very don't look back Oh, there it is—the big punk Floyd write up. That was a classic, man. Village Voice, ninety-seven. Then they come over to a headline about the Mir space station breaking down. What the fuck is that? Is that supposed to be like social consciousness? I am, What is that? Oh, so yeah, here they are. Okay, so they're. Wait, this is Letterman. Oh, this was SNL. Oh, so that's his little Stone Roses, fucking baby tantrum. Twenty minutes spinning your fucking wheels. We don't get five fucking minutes to play the fucking guitar. Oh, Tom, just you know, you've got you got to get it right, you know. My music's important, man. Amateurs got people on stage giving us shit. Giving back loads of shit, like you know. Oh my god! This reminds me when Den- uh, Oasis played. I don't know what the fuck it was. Was it the Was it the Grammys? And Dennis Miller was like, you know, they did whatever they did, and, and he threw his fucking Guinness can or his Boddingtons can. I don't know what the fuck it was across the room. And Dennis Miller was like, wow, he threw a beer. <laughs> And I mean that's exact that's exactly the problem with this stuff. If you're a fan of this band, then you're gonna allow and you're gonna embrace every juvenile, fucking pathetic, selfish, self indulgent impulse that they're gonna throw at you. Because you're along for the ride and you believe in them. And so, you know, when they throw a tantrum, it's because yeah, SNL's against them and, and nobody else gets it but you and them and you're you know, you're one together. You know, there's always gonna be a Dennis Miller who's like fix your fucking face. (laughs) And that's, you know, Tom York really needed a Dennis Miller to just tell him to shut the fuck up at this point. I mean, these guys were just, so they did car and police and it's wrapping up and Tom is wearing pants that he could fit into one leg of those army pants. I don't know what he's got here. Um, and johnny's you know man those bangs are flowing i don't know why john john squire didn't sue him but uh so i guess i don't know i guess it was the late show i thought it was snl i don't care but anyway now they're meeting everybody they just met dave letterman now they go outside they're about to go to the club where um their promo person i think oh wait this is when they talk about strange ways in dead letter office So, like, they're, like, literally touring a record that is just out. You know, it's been out, I think at this point, it's been out for five to four months. But because of the critical response to it, they're literally self-evaluating themselves alongside Dead Letter Office and Strange Ways. And they, you know, they're open to the idea that, that this record is as important to a lot of people as those records were they're confronting that suggestion again based on things they're being told very weird so they're showing a very long shot of people making out about the next 20 atm yeah that everything you know we're a lasting part of everyone's life and da 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 it's so big yeah yeah. So this is when the PR flack fucks up and they, or, or I don't know, the club's fucking with them. I don't know, but they go to this club and then the, the doorman's like, no, you're not on the fucking list. What are you talking about? And somebody's like, go write a song about it right now. <laughs> yeah, it's me. 288 so that was now Tom's really sad because somebody made fun of him but I do like that the only song he knew was Creep (laughs) alright so I'm going to cut it here this will be part one because there's no way I'm going for an hour and a half so that's uh, 22 minutes Tom is in a hotel room feeling very very sorry for himself so here we are 22 minutes into meeting people is easy and we have tom york moping around a hotel room as uh, on your own again by scott walker plays from scott walker 4 as mentioned at the top scott walker was an obsession of grant g's and this is the part of the film where he just completely throws aside the entire radiohead narrative and shoots a little you know mise-en-scene of uh, scott walker with the lyrics um To how to disappear completely I am not here And this is not really happening which you know famously Is supposedly a line That Michael Stipe or a lyric Or just a a note who knows sent back To Tom while he was going through um, His terror Over being successful Maybe a little Nod here to Andy Warhol I'm not sure what do you think So um Yeah, you know, this, I don't, what is this? I thought I was watching a movie about Radiohead. I have no idea where I am right now (laughs) with respect to the narrative of this film up to 23 minutes. No idea what I'm looking at. None. Is Tom a, a bugger on the glass looking looking in from outside? I, I don't know. The, it's such a subtle metaphor. Now we get to the big Kubrick shot. Oh, yeah. There we go. Come play with us, Danny. So... Transitional moment, and uh, now it, help point. Get it? Dinosaur Junior shirt. Uh, this is like the Cure's show. The beginning of that video where they show black and white alternate kids. I think this is outside London, the Astoria. Okay, and we're about to go to really horrendously bad performance of Airbag, where uh, Johnny is just. Um, Pretending that he knows how to play guitar because the secret truth of Radiohead is that everybody in this band sucks at their instruments. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you know, he has had such a fucking preoccupation with proving that he's a real musician with his soundtrack bullshit and with like, you know, the patch cables and the old synthesizers and the moog panels and all this nonsense. Dude, come on. You're a stompbox, skinny guy with long bangs. Like, there is nothing in Radiohead's discography that offers any evidence of technical excellence instrumentally just be a fucking pop band you're so close to oasis and yet you want to be talked about like you're faust it's just not gonna fucking happen guys you don't become what you are they, they never did they just got away with so much fucking ego they got away with so much of a self-determined you know righteousness it's, it's just hilarious in retrospect You know, the music stands up as pop music. Yeah, but their whole attitude and the whole presentation of things like this is just comical Uh, Oh my god, there he is Michael Stipe He's the singer in the band that's my affected completely constructed fake accent Guy could have been from anywhere. He's not from Athens Oh, and then Colin speaks French. So, yeah. Trey Talented. <laughs> wow. That's some deep shit. The Mavrega had were huge in France, obviously. Um, and this is leading up to the big, I assume, Paris gig. Um, and you know at this point in the tour they're ecstatic to be away from America because yeah you don't have any power in America nobody takes you seriously nobody cares nobody knows who you are that's what's underneath all of their you know pissiness is that they didn't fucking matter in America the tour hit here too early and they played big shows and they had good TV exposure but like it wasn't you know you couldn't have predicted it. You couldn't, you couldn't properly stage and, and capitalize on what happened with OK Computer in America. It was a very slow burn, and those are impossible to capitalize on. But uh, no reason to be bitches about it, which they were. You can get in 97 Gibson guitar if you want to. Okay. <laughs> Spark, oh God. So again, this is like using the fact that you're famous (laughs) to, to, to suggest that it's worth filming the fact that you're of interest at this time. You are not like you too. You're, you've not accomplished enough that we should be forced to watch you shaking hands with people and answering inane questions and walking around. You're not the fucking Beatles guys. So the This whole idea of, like, filming their interviews is the height of navel-gazing. It, it is totally indefensible. The The interviewers aren't asking interesting questions, and Radiohead at this point are not in a position where the fact that they're being asked such banal questions should be comical. Because they're not so important that we should expect anyone to approach them any differently. Yeah, you better fucking be happy that the head of EMI is coming. Good. Good. You better be fucking humble because you're homeless without these people. And you're not going to have the fucking fame and reach to five years later, completely fuck them, walk away, and go out over the internet and just, you know, make up your own fucking rules. 10 years later, I guess, excuse me. Everything Radiohead has accomplished is down to the fact that they come from the classical music industry, they were supported by and created by the classical music industry, and they were coddled by the classical music industry. And they have shown no fucking respect or, you know, debt or loyalty to the people that made everything you're watching happen for them. There were so many bands in England that, that had the benefit of the groundswell of Britpop and the groundswell of like you know massive overhead on CD prices, money flowing from every corner, and the bands were so fucking deluded that their music was the reason for it. It was part of it, sure, <laughs> but I can't think of anybody that was more arrogant than Radiohead in terms of taking credit for every aspect of their success and using that to fuel what they did within rainbows, what they did to suggest that they were innovative and fearless and suddenly becoming like an indie band and doing it on their own terms. It's pretty easy to do it on your own terms when you're already worth like, you know, 75 million pounds. Because of EMI I don't know Is that supposed to Harken back to Create Rock and Roll Swindle When the Disco band is doing Anarchy in the Anarchy pool? UK I don't know More Christ posing though Jesus Tom Backlit Wow you know He doesn't really have a problem performing for European audiences when he sings creep Why does he have to give American audiences shit Jesus man, what is this stand-up comedy? What the fuck are you doing? I might fall asleep here. what What is he doing? that That's like fucking backstreet boys. That's like I don't even know. I mean, what 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 was that? It was like his version of sequence dancing. Oh, we're on the outside looking in. Dave, although you took careful precautions against me hearing you. I saw your lips moving. Again, the suggestion that Radiohead are um, visually compelling live is a false one. And this the whole stretch of concert footage is just fucking tedium in the extreme. Bunch of guys standing around, making noise, Yelling. The lights were amazing and it sounded pretty good. Oh yes. Security cam in the green room and ready. Here they come. They're all about to come. Oh God. Everyone trying to get in and then we're going out to dinner and oh, what's up? Oh my God. I'm not ready yet. I have to prepare myself to face the world. I just gave so much of myself. I don't know if I can go out there. God, it's so hard. I have so many artistic feelings inside me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was... (laughs) That has to be the most predictable fucking shot in the history of rock and roll mythos. Like, if you if part of this movie is about irony and, and, and kind of like mocking yourself and deprecation, that shot makes no sense. Because that shot is like Morrissey level pandering to the idea of you being, you know, a genius or whatever it is. Oh, I guess they're in Eastern Europe and it's all cranes. <sighs> the industrial takeover the landscape by metal. And robots. Maybe, maybe Simon Reynolds was was right. Maybe this is part of the Pink Floyd continuum, because this is looking pretty, uh, pretty well good by Blue Sky. Is it Billy Corgan? Oh wait, sorry. Man, oh man, you got it rough. There we go. Now the dialogue starts about OK Computer being the album of the year. Now you can make a whole fucking movie about that in 1997, 1998. I I wonder where the movie was about fucking Panda Bear's bros. Because from the moment that was released in February of that year, I knew and everyone else knew and we all talked about the fact that that record was going to be the record of the year. We knew it was going to be Pitchfork's number one because we knew it absolutely fucking zeroed in on Ryan's taste and... It was also really fucking good, um, versus something in the past like Avalanches that I hated and a lot of other people liked. Everybody liked Bros. I, I, I still don't know anybody that like can seriously mount a convincing argument against Bros. Um, you cannot like it, fine, but you can't like destroy Bros. You can't kill that record, and I can fucking shatter anything the Avalanches did in a second. But I, I gotta say, like, as much as I hate Animal Collective, fucking Panda Bear Bros is is like one of the best records. I mean, it's definitely one of the best records of the two thousands. Ten fucking years of of endlessly lauded and over celebrated bullshit, nothing recycled pop. That record stands out, and you know, OK Computer does too, and that's great. But when you're in the middle of a documentary about your tour and your Record doing well What? Well, there's a reason for that, Johnny So yeah, this whole interview is about the idea that, you know, you're going to be, you've recorded the album of the year and this is a historic album. And again, it's reinforcing the fact that the band are, are listening to this. They never show the band laughing about how fucking ridiculous all of this is. The closest you come to it is in that first clip when they're saying, it's such a trip to think of yourself as having recorded Strange Ways, Dead Letter Office, which is only affirming the idea that they're entertaining and believing the validity of this dialogue. Which is absurd. Even if you do, do you, is that something you should be saying? If you're walking around like thinking that's, uh, you know, a, a legitimate sort of dialogue for you to be having amongst yourselves, do you not recognize the level of detachment and pretension that that, you know, confirms? Uh, it, it's so strange to me how full of shit these guys were at this time. Because I never thought they were, is my point. I never thought that Radiohead was um, as pompous as, as everyone often made them out to be. I thought that was a cheap shot. Um, but then when I saw this, I was like, oh, God, they're fucking horrible people. I mean, they're alternately fatuous, stupid morons and completely pretentious, self-absorbed assholes. Yeah, but, uh, Christian F. I don't, I don't know what we're going for here. Some kind of Berlin, dark, Bowie, Thin White Duke shit. Oh, T-Mobile. I guess they got a spot in here. A couple of bucks. Oh wait, no. He's filming signs and signifiers. He's showing the alienation of human society, the subjugation of human emotion by form and stricture. <laughs> it's so fucking brutal to me when people try to be clever like i'm not that smart but if this is obvious to me how fucking stupid are you i don't know yes it's very fluorescent and green and there's a giant mercedes logo spinning in the sky and that's our new moon Instead of the real moon, which we can't see because of all the chemicals and smog. What have we done to this planet? Guys, I need a break. Oh, this is so fucking boring. Who the fuck? What were we doing watching this? I couldn't even smoke dope to this. I, I, I'd i fall asleep before I could get the pipe to my mouth. Uh, I know. Are we going anywhere? Come on, come on, come on, come on. You know what? Watching this again is maybe the worst thing I've ever done, because now I think Simon Reynolds is right. And they really were punk Floyd. I I didn't want to think that, but you know, yeah, it's really tough to say he's wrong about that. He's wrong to include the cure in that, and I will fight him. But uh, yeah, Radiohead sort of probably deserved it. Dude, let the fucking snare loose a little bit. It's so tight, and dead. And can't you get a better symbol sponsor? Like these are terrible tinny symbols, man. It's not just the mic. The ride's great. Ride was always great. He had great taste in rides, but uh... Not great taste in shirts, but. Yeah, no, Tom, we're going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm not joking anytime soon. I'm doing okay. <sighs> Didn't he have some interview where he was like, have you ever seen what happens in a car accident? I can't believe people even drive. Like, Wasn't that what Killer Cars was about? Is he actually like afraid to drive a car? God, that's Terrifying They smoke Forms and shapes Now we're being padded down at the airport The technocracy Is oppressing us As we go into our fucking private Learjet Which is like 35,000 point to point Every fucking time we take it Yeah, you're worried about the world, you're worried about the the, the ecology, you're worried about fucking the future of the planet, environmentalism. That's why you spend fucking $35,000 between fuel, booking, and air lodging to get from point to point in your own private fucking jet. Yeah, i buy it. Yeah, no, we've never been on one before. It's like totally different experience, man. It's like, I don't even know what we're doing. I can't tell. The way the world's spinning right now is so fucking crazy, man. I'd never have thought in a million. Shut the fuck up. Texas were nominated. <laughs> wow. Thick Field. You're up against Be Here Now, fucking Fat of the Land and Texas. Uh, Q Magazine. Best album. Q Magazine. Q Magazine had been around for all of, uh, six years by that point I don't even know how oh, he must have Colin's not from this world he's an artist The spittle was a nice touch. I think we'll leave it there. <sighs> As, uh, that... Yet another horrible... Did you hear that miss hit? Johnny just did? That was awful. He completely missed the entire string, slammed the pick into the pickup. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't even know What that was Alright so we're uh, Coming up on 44 minutes Precisely 22 minutes After the last uh, Intermission And we're gonna Take another Well timed Radiohead Fade to black I like that Thank you Billy Corgan After another big show Let's go home and relax With some sitar music